0: I'm Mariel Hemingway with my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi, on the Outcomes the Sun podcast, number three. I think we're at. Are we at three? Number 25 or something like that. Who knows? Something like that. Anyway, we don't care. So today we wanted to do another kind of deep dive just together talking about the seven doctors because, and I'll explain what that means, because I, uh, Bobby, my significant other, and I, and Melissa, with, with tremendous help from Melissa, just filmed a course with One Commune about the seven doctors. And it's really a a, a course about lifestyle, how, how to t- do simple things in your life to really create change, body, mind, and spirit. It's not just physical change, but you want, you know, you want mental change, you want spiritual change, um, and change meaning you want to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more balanced life. So we, so let me explain, and then I'm going to let uh, Melissa go into some cool things that she's researched uh, on the subject. But let me explain what the seven doctors are. So the seven doctors are Dr. Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Dr. Exercise, Dr. Rest, and Dr. Earth. And Dr. Doctor... <laughs> Sleep? No, I said nutrition. Jeez, that's crazy. Anyway, how could I forget nutrition? It really should be rest at the end, like the seventh day of rest. But anyway, that those are the seven, seven doctors. And we really believe that these simple, simple things are so powerful in creating a balanced life a healthy balanced life right so doctor sun is obviously getting sun watching sunrises and sunsets getting vitamin d into your eyes you absorb more vitamin d through the eyes than anything else and you don't want to do that you know in the middle of the day you want to do it in the beginning of the day um, you know from from sunrise for about till about 10 o'clock is about the the safest best time to receive sun there's such a misnomer about sun. like people are like oh you know i don't get sun i I can't get sun on my face i'm gonna put all this chemical stuff on my face when the truth is we need it light is everything and and talk about people that suffer from sad seasonal affective disorder they need sunlight they need sun they need light i mean there are you know these lights that you can use. And trust me, I used them in Idaho this last winter when it was super dark. So there are other ways to get sun, you know, get light in your, in your eyes and in your face. So Dr. Sun, Dr. Air is about breath, learning how to breathe. Most people on this planet, it's amazing because we have to breathe, but nobody knows really how to breathe, right? They're breathing from their neck up very shallow breathing. They're not going deep into their, you know, into their belly, into their, you know, and getting oxygen, oxygenating the lungs, everything else. So Dr. Ayer, we learn how to breathe. That also creates balance in the brain. Like you'd be amazed when you don't know how to breathe, there is a shallowness to, to thinking, you know, depression is more, if you learn how to breathe and nasal breathe, that's also important so dr air dr dr sun dr air dr water drinking water getting connected to water we are made up of anywhere from 60% if you're dehydrated to 90% if you're a tiny baby uh there's you know but really as a as an adult male or female you should be at 70 75% water and that only happens if you're ingesting water that is getting absorbed into the tissues and into the cells and into the brain, right? We want, You need lubrication in all of that. Dr. Air, Dr. Wa- doctor Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Dr. Exercise, Movement. Yeah, okay, I'll go to nutrition. No no, 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 go ahead. You're good, you're good. I was, was going
1: to say earth, yeah. but go ahead, exercise, good.
0: Yeah. Exercise is so incredibly important. Um, we, uh, Bobby and I work with a doctor, Dr. Bruce Johnson from the Mayo Clinic, uh, who's the head of extreme human performance and cardio, uh, cardio and pulmonary, you know, you know, study. And he says really that exercise is the fountain of youth. So it, and it's not about like, I, I need to go become a, you know, a CrossFit athlete. It's about do you get out at least three days a week, at least, but really, hopefully six days a week, you go out for a, a, a nice brisk walk, something, a walk, you, you swim. And and if you don't like any of those things, you dance. I don't care. Move your body. Movement is so powerful and profound. and it And it creates longevity. And it also helps the brain. I mean, there have been many a time where I have been depressed or sad or anxious and literally walking around the block will change how I'm thinking. So there's exercise, there's nutrition. I mean, we are what we eat, right? What, What you put in your body, really, we are an expression of that that goes into the, into the organs, into the brain. So when I always say, you think about taking an aspirin, right? And in 20 minutes, you're going to have have no headache, right? Say you have a headache and you take this Advil or you take a Tylenol or whatever you take and then you don't have a headache. We need to start thinking of our food as the same. Food is medicine, right? Mm-hmm. So look at your food, not in a medicinal way like sadly, but in a way that it is enhancing your health. So eat good food. And I'm not saying you have to be vegan or vegetarian or this or that or anything. Just eat real food. And that can be you know, you can be any type of eater that you want, paleo, vegan, you know, all protein, no protein, keto, whatever thing works for you. And it's about finding that. And then there's Earth, Dr. Earth. Dr. Earth is so important and people kind of forget this and we're big proponents of it. I know Melissa and I uh, walking barefoot on the earth. There's that's a way to connect with the electromagnetic field of the earth that comes up through your feet. So I walk barefoot a lot. Not so much in the snow in Idaho. But you do hike <laughs> so barefoot. That...
1: You hike barefoot. I
0: do. Oh, absolutely I do. You throw your earpods just... off barefoot. I that you know, <laughs> I, and I am. Look, I am barefoot. <laughs> I am barefoot right now. I, I'm so excited. We're in California and, we, you know, we, I was barefoot hiking all over the place. Anyway, the electromagnetic field comes into the body through the feet or, or however you're grounding. If you're sitting on a, on, on a you know, in a park on the, on the ground, you get the electromagnetic field comes in through your feet or your body. And what that does is profound. It gets rid of the inflammation in your body. It also gets rid of the inflammation in your brain it gets rid of neuroinflammation. What does that mean? That means that people that suffer from depression and anxiety and all of these things, it helps alleviate that. I'm not saying it's, you know, the perfect cure for somebody who has a serious mental illness, but it certainly can help, right? We need to see our our everyday habits as ways of helping our mental health. You might need more help. You might need a psychiatrist. You might need You know, you might need, you know, pharmaceuticals to help you get past something, but we need to take responsibility of our lifestyle to help these things work so that you can take less drugs or, you know, whatever it is. So then there's nutrition. I mean, there's earth, there's nutrition. Rest. And what else? Rest. Rest. Sleep. Sleep. Oh my God. So it was very funny when I first met Bobby 14 years ago, I was like, you know, I get like six hours of sleep. I'm so cool because I meditate, right? And he was like, well, that's horrible. I was like, what do you mean that's horrible? <laughs> and he was like, you need to sleep more. And I was like, why? You're always napping. I don't understand it. But meanwhile, I'm looking at him. It was like, damn, he looks young. <laughs> and he was always super, you know, happy, very balanced. Sleep, they are finding the studies around sleep and how important it is for our mental health for our metabolism, for everything. For anti-aging, sleep is so important. Of course, as we get older, our anxiety levels are higher and sleep becomes really challenging. It becomes a challenge. So you have to look at ways, natural ways, to create better sleep. So I have said the seven doctors. Now I'm gonna throw it over to you, Melissa, who will explain some of the cool things that are happening in science, and I apologize for the plane, Above me in science these days that are, you know, that are life changing and 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 really confirming that these seven doctors are really profound.
1: Well, it, yeah, and you know, it's it's fascinating because in this dive that I was doing, not only for um, the the work on one commune, but the work that that for that I had been working on over the summer that you're aware of. Um, I start finding out that there's different locations around the world where doctors are dedicating, scientists are dedicating themselves to understanding longevity, mental, emotional and physical health and well-being. And what, what, is, it that, what is it that makes a superager, someone who lives healthily over the age of 100 with the same cognitive skills over age 100 as someone in his or her 60s, or a world-class athlete or, or Olympic athlete, what, what allows them to be who they are? Right, and one of the places that I found was this place called the Chino Spa on Lake Lucerne in Switzerland, which I really think the next time instead of reading about it, you and I should probably go, and just <laughs> partake. And yes, only, only then could we could our could our voice be trusted. Yes, but I want to tell you that science is the root of all that they do, but I want to read off some of these studies that they do and how it feeds back into the seven doctors. I found it fascinating. Amazing. There's a heavy metal and mineral tests to find out just how laden our systems are with it. Not only by environment, but by what we're ingesting, and also how our body is responding to lack of air, sleep, earth, nutrition, exercise. Right? They do a lung test for capacity to find out just how heavily you're breathing, which goes back to Dr. Air. So it. So a lot of the participants were saying, "Oh no, I'm. I can breathe beautifully. I can hike, and no problem." They said, "But your breathing is so shallow. You're not taking it into your belly like a baby, like a belly breathe, like babies do." And so. Another thing they study is your posture and your movement. And they watch you walk. They watch how you sit. They watch how you hold your head. They watch when you speak, how you move your jaw. This entire thing on how you are, it's like taking your car in for a tune-up. How are you, how is this thing moving? And how long, how much longer will it be able to move and travel the way it's moving today? Um, They also study your vascular and artery functions, your bone density, they do biofeedback for your parasympathetic levels to see how well you de-stress, which a lot of people said that they, one of the prescriptions they got on the way out the door was you need to meditate more in a beautiful environment because some people did, they thought they were de-stressing by turning on classical music, drinking a glass of wine and cooking. That's my idea. And they said that's not de-stressing your body at all. Um, earthing would certainly be a great de and they do body co- uh, composition analysis. Now, in addition to this spot of Switzerland, a good friend of yours, um, at a Harvard graduate and, and scholar, Dr. Rudy Tanzi, is one of the leading authorities on studying, obviously, traumatic brain injury, but also his study of the brain as it relates to Alzheimer's and what's happening. He had some interesting things that he he shared that I'd love to share with our audience, because I know you know this stuff already, Marielle, but that he said the, the biggest mistake that he thinks we're making in studying um, longevity of the brain is that we study what went wrong. What happened? Why did these people get this? How how did someone with a seemingly healthy lifestyle get Alzheimer's or get have, have mental health issues or ha- have cancer? How does that make sense? So he said, instead of us studying it that way, he's reversing it and studying the superagers to understand what they're doing to live that long. So he said that how our bodies metabolize determines how the brain ages, which is that whole microbiome study Absolutely. that you've been talking to me
0: about, right? Yeah. And the microbiome, if people don't realize, this is the second brain, your, your gut. That's your, your second your brain, de- right? That's your second brain. So that has to be in concert in healthy, that's- healthy. And, and when that's not healthy, the brain's not yes. healthy because they're talking to each other all the time, right? Fascinating. Yes. Yeah, it is.
1: It's fascinating. And he said, he's studying the super agers, the people who live over the age of 100, who still have the cognitive skills of people at, at the latest in their 60s, but some as early as 40s and 50s. These people well over 100, 105, 106, who were still clear as a bell. Right. And so he's, what he's discovering with this, all relates back to the seven doctors. They move, what they eat they watch what they eat they're very particular about what they put in their body i recently read an article about a, a lady who's 102 out of okinawa the blue zone okinawa yeah, yeah, japan yeah. and she sit she's sitting in a chair holding her great 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 granddaughter who's 1 wow. years old and the interviewer said how does it feel to be holding your great great granddaughter that you're 101 years older and then you're, and she said, it feels like a slice of heaven. And they followed her around for two weeks to discover what she ate and what she did. And they, everything that we're talking about with the seven doctors, she gets up in the morning, she goes out and tends her garden. Well, there she's getting earthing and the sun. She does her Tai Chi in the garden. Once she's finished tending to it, there's her movement. movement. She drinks her, uh, her, com- her, uh, what is it? The Purple, the yeah. purple yam, that purple potato, oh, yeah. the purple yam that they and, and, and bittersweet melon and her, her yeah. fermented her kimchi and her green tea. Everything's super
0: super clean. Yeah, and, and, the, this, and the kimchi, which is feeding the microbiome. Like people need to know, like when you eat yes. fermented foods, that is healing your gut. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Beautiful. Okay. It's perfect. Well, you and yeah. Bobby really p- turned me on to sauerkraut. Yeah. I mean, the good sauerkraut. Not the <laughs> kind that I used to have in the cafeteria in fifth grade with hot dogs on Wednesdays. <laughs> Mrs. Clapp, those weren't good. No, that that's good. not good. So, no. so when, when they're eating, when you're eating properly and the, the other thing that they do have, which we're going to have to get an eighth doctor, it's community. It's their yes. connection to others because yes. these women in Okinawa, have what it's a they have this community of other women close to their age, anywhere from the young sprite ones of 80 to the ones in well into their hundreds, and they check in on one another. They live within yes. walking distance, they see how we're doing. Mary, we're all gonna have to have a little circular home with a garden in the middle, of no, my I know. so we can go check on each other. Absolutely, but they have they have so this whole thing, this whole study of this that Dr. Tanzi was spear, is spearheading and continues to. I kept, every time I was reading, it, I kept thinking, God, this is the seven doctors. Now, there's one thing that's not on the seven doctors that I'm not advocating for, but I found fascinating. And it, with your permission, it's a tender subject, but I would like to share it. There's a company that's, that, that studies, it's called Fit, Bio, Fit Biomics, and they study the microbiome. And they've been, they've been doing um, research on bacterial strain within the microbiome of the healthiest athletes around the world these world-class athletes, Olympic athletes, who come from generational, you know, dad Jad was in, was a skier, Ma, grandma was a skier, this person's a world-class skier, whatever they're doing, they, and they, they've studied their um, theses and what they're doing is they've taken bacterial strain from the theses of these world-class athletes, and they're doing a transplant, if you will, into the gut of somebody else, a- a cross yeah. section of people, older and sedentary, young and sedentary, yeah. older and active, younger, and whatever they're trying to see the effects. And every single one of them, not knowing what was transplanted in them, because that would alter. It's like, you, yeah. know, if you don't know right. you're eating escargot. You can eat escargot, but you don't know you're <laughs> eating snails. It's totally different, right? So they, when they did a research on them and asked for feedback, every one of them gave one glowing report in one area of the seven doctors. I slept better. I digested my food better. I had more energy to exercise.
0: Yeah. <coughs> so excuse 100% me, to be, it,
1: Oh, 100%
0: it is fascinating because I mean it just makes sense. That just shows you that the gut is such a it's a, it's such a precursor to what your brain is doing and how you're expressing yourself in life. So it just shows that we have to pay attention to these things. They're also doing it with mental health. They're doing yes. it with people people that are, you know, super energetic, happy all the time, whatever. And yep. they're, they're doing a transplant of that bacteria into a person who suffers from tremendous anxiety and depression. And they're seeing very positive results. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'll probably murder it if I try to go into it because I don't know the exact, you know, like numbers, but it's it's pretty, it's astonishing. But it makes so much sense because we are this combination of physical mental you know this conglomerate and then the environment and like you said and you brought up such an important point and it's actually one of the things that bobby and i talked about in these seven doctors it's not just the seven doctors and and probably the eighth and ninth doctor is community is relationship you know the relationship that you have with yourself the relationship you have with your significant other your children your friends, and then the community. And then, you know, because Bobby and I like to say, you you take the I out of illness, add we, and you create wellness. And wellness is a community thing. So when you get well, it's not, you don't have to do it by yourself. And especially when you're talking about mental health. Mental health, people are so... You know, they feel so isolated, COVID happened, oh my God, should I leave? You know, you still see, you know, I still go to the store and I see people afraid and masked up and whatever, God bless them. But they're feeling, they're still feeling that isolation. They're still feeling the anxiety of being alone, right? And and the kids are still suffering. The kids are still hesitant to go back to big classes where they're around a lot of kids. Um, so we need to we need to realize that our mental, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health, like we talked about yes. last week, is all about this community. It's about coming together and saying, "Hey, nobody has to do this alone. This is all about the journey." Yes, your unique uh, solution is yours alone, but right. together we can find it. Right? Together we can help people be directed, and that's what we want to do with the Mariel Hemingway Foundation, mhfoundation.org. We want to help people find their solution. You know, what is it? What is it makes you just feel that sense of community and know that you can reach out? Because that's what is scary to me, especially when I just look at kids. I just get so sad and scared about these kids who, who, you know, when I was a kid, people were not taking their life. As kids, I mean I didn't know anybody that took their life. There was an accidental death with a gun because I grew up in a place where people hunted and but somebody was like yeah. cleaning a gun and, and the you know, the rifle went off and shot their brother. I mean, like horrible. But nobody took their life. But now it seems you know, what's so interesting about the world we live in now, it's like an option. It was never an option. We didn't think about those things. And Bobby always says, you know, the epidemic back back in the 60s and 70s, or the 70s anyway, 70s, 80s, was, you know, teenage pregnancy. I did a movie back about a million years ago called I Want to Keep My Baby. I had, an un, 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 you know, an, a pregnancy, you know, at 16 years old or whatever. I did this movie. But I'm telling you, that was the epidemic. Now it's like, what, your friends want to – are so depressed or so anxious or so whatever. It's a severe isolation. And don't you think we've talked about this. Don't
1: you think that this has a lot to do with it? You know, you're, you're, you're down here all day. Everything's every. It's easy to, to be yeah. cutting and cruel and say and, and communicate behind it. There, the, the rules of engagement are so different than when you and I were kids. There are, there are unspoken rules now with the youth on how they communicate with one another if you text a potential uh, person you're interested in, if that person responds too quickly, that's not cool. They have to wait two days. And then once they, re- they wait two days, once they re- to respond, you can't open their text or their Snapchat or whatever for at least five minutes. And then you can't respond after you've read it for another two hours. I mean, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's almost as though this these parameters Damn, have I didn't, been set these in rules. place.
2: Well, thank
1: God, there's all these parameters that are so unhealthy that are set in place that are not natural. No, it's not natural. When you're excited, you want to go, oh, my gosh. And you want to text back or call or something or go knock on the door. But but because because all these weird unspoken rules, who knows who's putting them in place? But they're out there and they're real. And I've spoken to several parents who's say who are teenage children, college age children. And they say, yeah, this is a deal. This is a real thing. And if it's, if, if someone, you know, when, when you and I were younger, if someone liked you, they'd call your house and someone in the house, a sister, a brother, your parent would go, stop calling. It's after eight, she's going to bed. And then they would never call you back. And if you were 16 and cool and had a phone in your room or something, yeah, then they would call on your phone. But if right. you went to my house, my dad would unplug my princess phone and walk the phone <laughs> and the cord out of my room so that I never got to have the phone in my room. <gasps> anyway, yeah. so, but it's, it's, it's this weird boundless access yes but because this is where a lot of our youth are growing up without you know you know there's some restrictions and regulations are scary on some way on some way they're good but there's no parental restrictions coming in really hard so these kids are figuring it out for themselves yeah and that's where I think a lot of these numbers the, the the ideation and the actual happenings are taking place because there's no one what's that what's that Was that a book? Forgive my ignorance right now. Was it a book? Was it a play? Who's watching the kids?
0: You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I feel like it was a play, but but it was probably a book first. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And the the cell phone, as great as it is, is causing a tremendous amount of, you know, we think we're communicating more. Let me tell you something. It's a 7% connection. When you text somebody, you're not, you can't. So I'm, even though, we're doing this via the internet. At least I can see your face. I can see your yep. body language. We're communicating through this. Through, I can see you, right? But when mm-hmm. you are texting with somebody, you don't know what they're saying. It's always misinterpreted. It's always this. It's oh, always yeah. that. And, you know, these rules I didn't even know about. That's crazy. And when I was a kid, if somebody did call you, you know, and you weren't there, you know, or... You know, you weren't there. You called them back the next day or you made a plan. Hey, you know, I'm calling you up. Can you spend the night on Friday? It's Monday, right? Can you spend the night on Friday? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that'd be great, right? And so you don't see them till Friday, right? You don't, you're not like on the, on this, having this interaction and and that judgment of time, like, oh, they didn't get back to me right away or, oh they went too long. I don't know what these rules are, you know, or whatever. It's not, (laughs) it's really not okay. I would so Mm. fail at this, this new disease. (laughs) I would
1: fail too. I'm too excited. I get too excited about things. And I want to call and tell you right away what happened. I don't want to wait (laughs) until two hours. I know. Say, Hey, this is my good news. And I've got to go. (laughs) I've got another 55 (laughs) minutes. So she doesn't know I'm too excited. (laughs) I can't imagine. I'd lose my mind.
0: But, I know, right? But it, it is it, it's a different world. I mean it's it's not a world that's gonna change. So we no. ha- we have to learn how to negotiate the new way, right? I don't wanna be the old person that goes, Well, you know, back in my day. But we have to learn how to negotiate the way the yeah. way the world yeah, is do. so technically oriented. But keep it you have to make limits. I think what it is is you just say, you know, for me, I turn my phone off at eight PM. It's off. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm the internet might not be, you know, I might watch a show that's different, but I quit, you know, like looking at Instagram or doing anything like that. Oh yeah. yeah. 8pm. It's the phone is off. Now, some of you have kids, some of you, you know, like I know you, you keep your phone because your kids are off, you know, in college or in Europe or wherever. So I get that. But for the most part, if you can turn your phone off, it's awesome for you. Not just to, not just because of that communication thing and the you know the ability that anybody can get you, but also because of the EMS, the electromagnetic right. stuff that is right. going around in the air. That's actually not good for you. It's not good for our circadian rhythm. It actually throws it off. So it's very important that internet and stuff like that gets lessened at the because that's part of sleeping well. If you turn internet off, or at least turn your phone off, and it shouldn't be next to your head. So many people like sleep with the phone right next to them, underneath their pillow. Oh my god, it just kills. Right underneath me. the pillow. It's so bad for you. Please don't do it. It so screws up your sleep. And if you, now D- here's another thing. If we can just yeah. talk
1: about it briefly. Do you know how many girls I see put their phones
0: in their bras? It makes me nervous. It makes me so nervous. I know there's a
1: direct connection here. This is, it's scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Scary it's
0: scary stuff. stuff. And, and, and if you're pregnant, let me just tell you, if you're pregnant and you've got, you know, you've got that kind of it's, it actually affects the fetus circadian rhythm so that it, it you know, it's a fa- that they, they, they are, there's a soft link and I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to claim anything and the numbers I'm probably going to get wrong, but there is a connection to autism and that, you know, the constant, you know, EMFs coming in at the, at the, at the baby and blue light, you know, not that blue light is bad all the time during the day. It's fine. But at night, yep. we shouldn't be seeing a lot no. of light. So when we talk no, about no, a... sleep, you, you don't, you want to sleep in a black room.
1: And you know, the thing, the things that we're talking about today with the seven doctors and all of these different techniques, opportunities, practices that have been around for years, centuries, The one thing that I just learned yesterday, I was watching this fascinating documentary on um, a child in vitro and all that and all that affects the child. When the decisions that you and I make affect our grandchildren. Yes. The life of it goes back to it goes back to the grandparent. So if the grandparent, if the grandmother is healthy. The eggs that she's the eggs that she's born with. That she maintains when she gives birth to her yep. daughter and those eggs that she's born with, the grandmothers are so everything's it's all passing down. Our choices affect not only ourselves. They, and t- our loved they, ones. they, they affects affect our children and our grandchildren. And it's fascinating, right? It is it's fascinating. fascinating. It's not it's just, it's not it's just a- about you.
0: No, and it's affecting generations, but also on the reverse side, you're getting healthy now also helps the generations ahead of you and the generations yep. behind you, right? The generation yep. of growing, like if you get healthy in, in your brain, right. And you do whatever is necessary for you to find balance that actually affects your kids, right? Yes. It totally yes. affects your kids. You know, yep. like when, when you talk about therapy or psychotherapy and stuff like that, when we, unlo- when we as human beings unlock our, our issues or whatever our genetic issues, That helps unlock the generations before, you know, they, they, they often say, you know, there's always one in a family that kind of goes, Hey, I, you know, the buck stops here. I don't want to do this anymore. I kind of, I kind of feel like I, I did that a little bit with my family. There was so much addiction. There was so much mental illness and I was scared. I spent a lot of years being afraid that I was going to be going to have like, it was like a virus. I was just going to wake up one day and you know, there I'd be like, you know, not well, mentally not well. And what I realized was, you know, it took me many, many years and lots of falling down and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But what I realized is, oh, wait, I get to make different choices. I know, you know, like I've suffered from depression. I've suffered from anxiety. I've suffered from things. And I know I've I've figured out my solution. It's unique to me. It's not yours. It's not somebody who has bipolar disorder, but I know what works for me. I know how to prevent depression in myself. Like we were talking about getting light. I know I am a person who needs light. It's like we are in California now, and I'm like, you know, I I said to you, I said to my partner, Bobby, I said, you know, we need to find something for the winter months because they're tough on me. You know, like I, I figured yep. it out. I have lights. <laughs> I have crazy lights in every room. But, um, but you know, you figure out your solution, and it's unique to you. And it's so, yes. it's so amazing to know that you actually can change the trajectory of your entire heritage. You can change yes. your family history.
1: Moving, moving forward, the, you can change your genetic expression. Exactly. You can't, you're not, you're not damned for all times. It's, it's true. so cool.
0: Oh my gosh. It's great. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I I, I love it. I think we do really well on our own. <laughs> hey, I think there's a reason
1: that you and I are friends. We, oh we got God. this thing.
0: I think it's really good. And uh, we'll, we'll get a guest in here, but we just felt like, I don't know. There's a lot that we, we talk about during the week and that we do and that we just feel is so important to share with other people. It's just so it's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. And I want to, I want everyone out there to know that when we come across something, we're going to share it with you. We're going to share with you what, what the latest and greatest that we're discovering as we move through this world. So yeah. Anyway, Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are so grateful to have you listen to Outcomes the Sun podcast. And if you want to look at our foundation, it's called MarielHemingwayFoundation.org. Uh, it was really for lack of a better name, and nobody was going to steal it from anybody because <laughs> I mean, it's mine. And also MH stands for mental health. So, you know, do your best to live a, a, a simple and present life and have a great week and we'll see you next week
1: goodbye make good choices
0: my partner Melissa Yamaguchi on the Outcomes the Sun podcast and we are excited today because we have really cool guests and I'm gonna let uh, Melissa do the intro because she actually uh, did an event with them but um, this is this is gonna kind of I don't know it made me kind of turn my head when I heard about it when I because we're talking to two veterinarians which is really pretty awesome. Um, but nobody, I had no idea that there was an issue with mental health issues it, with uh, you know veterinarians. Who knew? Anyway, so Melissa, I want to throw it over to you to introduce these two incredible women. And we're going to have an amazing conversation today about mental health. Absolutely. Thank you, Meryl.
1: Doctors Jan and Jill have been in my life and my family's life for well over 15 years. I took my dog who passed away last year at the age of 16 to them when she was a puppy. So it's, they've been in our lives and our family's lives for a long time. Um, friends, Friends, family, clients, doctors, the whole bit. I recently had the good fortune of being invited by the two doctors to be a part of a a non-profit that they formulated and when we were in the middle of our initial board meeting dr jan revealed that veterinarians suffer from a high incidence of death by suicide and i was i really took my breath away because i've always known that doctors do have a higher incidence of death by suicide but i always had heard that it was in the dental profession and she said no we we hit pretty high and so I, it, it shocked me, and I want the doctors to not only address that, but to talk to you about some of the some of the um, projects and the initiatives that they're putting forward to address the needs of the community of veterinarian and beyond. But I want to know. I want to share a little bit of information that I did on some research in understanding the high incidence of suicide rates in the world of veterinarian, v- veterinary. And so the female veter- veterinarians are three and a half times higher have a higher rate of incidence than the general population of women. And when I start diving into why, what are all these reasons? And I, doctors Jan, Jan and Jill can, can address this far more succinctly and intelligently than I, but some of the unique issues were um, student debt, which is still an issue for a large population of, of our society, but student debt was one of them. Um, the, the daily demands of dealing with the demands of of people with their pets and then the the, the concern that the doctors have. People get into the art and the craft and the service of taking care of animals because they love animals and they care about them. So the, the doctors become distressed when the animals aren't doing well. But they also can be vilified by the owners. If the owner feels that their doctor has not taken care of their pet in the way that they deem they should be, even though they're not the expert. So they can vilify the doctor. And as much as doctors may be prepped and schooled, educated, on how to handle the euthanizing part of it, segment of it, it still is, is a burden on the back, and it's heavy on the heart. And couple that, the weight of euthanization, with the fact that sometimes their patients have to opt to that resort because they can cannot afford the surgery, when the doctors know that the surgery would save the pet. But the people can't afford the surgery. So euthanizing was the answer and that all that continues to weigh on them. But I wanted to, um, th- the suicide rates among our doctors are the highest they've been since World War Two. And I'm so proud to, to know doctors Jan and Jill because they are proactive they're intelligent. They're addressing this with their their eyes on the future. And I'm so excited, ladies, for you to be here. I've known you for so long. I've always admired and adored both of you. I'm really happy you're with us to share with our audience all that you've got going on.
2: Thank you. That, that was very um, accurate information, Melissa. Mm-hmm. And um, it sums it up quite nicely about what's going on in our industry. I think the one thing I would add is, you know, a lot of veterinarians are introverted scientists for the Mm -hmm. most part right and just you know generalizing of course and when you have that coupled with all the emotional stuff that goes on between client and doctor and the tech staff um, it's a lot you know the days can be grueling emotionally physically mentally and when you couple that with a financial component which Everyone knows cost of everything's going up, including veterinary medicine and cost of care. Um, it it burdens the whole team, you know. When someone can't afford care, and everybody wants to help the pet
3: mm-hmm. and
2: save the animal, and it comes down to decisions that are tough, like euthanasia. Um, and I think you know, no one feels good in that case. And and then you know, clients naturally sometimes. other things on their shoulders including what's going on with their pet and the pet is so bonded to their family that you know naturally they get frustrated and they want to throw it on whoever's in front of them which is us the team and so you know the the veterinary industry is very much in crisis in terms of losing um, a lot of our colleagues to suicide and burnout you know um, there's a lot of people that have left the profession because it's just too much and and they don't want to stick around. And yet we're not creating more veterinarians at a quicker rate. I mean, there's only so many vet schools in the country that can produce um, veterinarians and um, when people are leaving the industry or um, committing suicide, it's not helping our profession. So it's, it's getting even tighter. And I think people might acknowledge this is that they they know that it's hard to get in with a vet now, you know, and especially after COVID, um, things have gotten tighter. People have gotten pets. So there's more demand and it's harder to get in with a veterinarian. Yeah. These okay. days, so. I
0: have noticed um, in our little area, I live in Idaho and I've noticed in our area, there's only one vet night. It's a vet that I've gone to for years, but he's the only vet that does that is 24 hours. Like you can contact him 24 hours. But I mean, he's bedraggled. I'm not going to lie. This poor man, I mean, he's got yeah. a staff and he's got a great team, but it's, it's a stress. And I can see that on him. I lost two dogs this year. Um, you know, one one was 22. So my God, <laughs> like he, he really probably should have been on his way out a little bit sooner, but he was doing really well anyway. But we it wasn't euthanasia. He he just died. And then the other one, you know, it turned out he had cancer. He was just riddled with cancer. We, you know, he was slowing down for months. You think, Oh my gosh, he must be getting old. It was a border collie. And um, you know, it turned around and, and we we got him checked up and it was it was bizarre because you know and you know this better than I do the relationship they have with their with their owner is so profound i mean the minute he knew that we knew it was like he could let go it was like he was holding on yeah. for us to get the picture that things weren't weren't that good anyway long story short he also passed within 5 days um but they, but i have noticed that in our small area that nobody does emergency care here like and It's two hours, it's an hour and a half to two hours away to get your dog to, you know, if you get hit on the weekend, if a dog gets hit by a car on the weekend, like, you're never going to make it, right? And that's, and that's hard. And now I know, because of speaking with you, that that it's just because, you know, the demand is is high, and, and probably they're putting limitations on what they can do probably because of these emotional reasons, would you, would you say that?
2: Yeah. And especially in the emergency, I think the burnout ratios are, or the percentages are even higher than like Jill and our general practice right. um, veterinarian. And so we're like your family doctor, right? but ER definitely has a higher incidence of burnout than we do. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, I just
4: go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So it's not only, you know, just the, I think, the on the job or factors related to the profession. But, you know, it's also outside factors besides student loan debt. I mean, I had one doctor told me she has $500,000 worth of student oh loan God. debt. And within people don't realize like veterinarians don't make the kind of salaries that human medical professionals make. So, you wow. know, California is an a high market. And I would say the average you know, salary for like a general practice, Um, veterinarian is probably somewhere in the realm of like 120 or $30,000 a year. And so when you have, you know, three, four, $500,000 worth of debt, and you got to pay for a home in California, it's like, it's stressful, you know, and so it's not only the debt burden, but it's also, um, you know, the profession now is about 80% women where it used to be the opposite, maybe even 20, 30 years ago, where it's more male dominated, um, but the profession has attracted a lot more, uh, more women. Um, and with that, you know, a lot of these um, young women, they become mothers. And, you know, now it's, it's like, you know, there's this guilt that comes up, you know, balancing like work-life balance, you know, the demands of, you know, raising a family and work and long hours and just stress. And so there's just, you know, it just, Everything just piling up. It's overwhelming. That really negatively affects. Um, It's overwhelming. And
0: you have done. I mean, according to Melissa, you really uh, have taken this this issue very, very seriously, and it's why we're talking to you. I would love for you to explain to uh, Melissa and I, but of course, our audience more importantly, um, what you're doing, kind to to make a difference. Like, how are you? changing this i i guess it's the culture the environment the community how are you what are you introducing into the community to to make a difference
2: you know ohana pet hospital is what jill and i had started with our other two partners and when we first launched the hospital we wanted to basically take care of the team right if we take care of our team they will take care and deliver great service to our customers and great care to our pets. And that was the philosophy that we stood behind and we still stand behind that today. Um, over the years, the burnout and suicide levels have become higher, And but when we started the hospital, our focus was always to take care of the team. And so we implemented different strategies. We tried so many different things and I'll let Joe expand on that. Um, from the start of Ohana to now, that we've learned quite a bit as to what works, what may not work so well, and what the team needs um, to stay happy and healthy as best possible. And although you could argue it's not necessary our responsibility to take care of their own personal needs mm-hmm. um, at home, um, we try to provide as much resource as possible for them so that they can stay balanced, they can stay healthy, they can get the, um, you know, if, if they need therapy sessions. You know, for for free, they can get it through our health insurance or our life insurance policies through employee assistance programs. Um, if they needed, you know, uh, elderly care advice, if they need financial planning, all of that, we brought that to our hospital, and so that's what we've been baking under Ohana. I'll let Joe expand on that a little bit more as to what we've tried. Right. Yeah. So for those of you
4: that don't know, Ohana means family in Hawaiian. So some of you may know that from the Disney movie Lilo and Stitch, <laughs> um, but Basically, our hospital was founded, you know, with values of compassion and caring and a family feel so that it's not only our um, clients that we, you know, consider we want our staff to treat as family, but also each other. And so we Mm -hmm. told them that, like, you know, we want you guys to think and treat each other as like kind siblings, be kind to everybody, be compassionate to each other. As well as the clients and and of course the pets. is the most important thing. But you know that the we fostered a, a really nice culture at Ohana, and I think that's where it starts. And so people feel secure, they feel supported, um, and they feel basically they feel love like family. And so some of the things that you know we've tried with them, um, you know, to help them, like Jans says, there's a lot of resources we provided. But I think the main thing is I think we've always been sort of like wellness focused practice and so when i say wellness we're talking about you know balancing physical spiritual emotional and mental health you know from giving them training and education to support the mental so they improve their skills we have very structured training at ohana Um, we provided um, emotional support we brought in a like a like a it's not not a psychiatrist but a therapist who specializes in grief and loss um, and compassion fatigue, Smart. and we brought her in um, to provide services for free to our staff. Um, in the physical realm, we you know we used to do like what we call Ohana Fit Club. It was like physical <laughs> fitness challenges to encourage them to like eat better and exercise, and so good. Um, yeah. And, and then you know, I think one of the other cool things we've done too is we you know we've done extensive um, communication training. So that's the sort of other piece with them. Just. You know, part of it is under, learning to understand different personalities um, learning to how, under, understand people communicate differently and just to protect them because you can't control someone's reactivity or reaction right but you can control mm-hmm. how you perceive it and how you take it and how you re- thus react to them and so you know we we have an excellent client service manager that's put together an empathy training program uh, for our staff and it, she's wonderful at it and i you know it's really helped them um, to manage like these difficult emotional situations and the last thing I'll, we've done is I'll let Jan talk
2: about it, our new philosophy on uh, work-life balance and yeah. scheduling. So this kind of, this uh, new um, model that we implemented at Ohana is called, we call it 30 is the new 40. <laughs> and this kind of came about during COVID. You know, we had a time where we put the team on WorkShare because we, we weren't sure what was going to happen early during the COVID months, um, where we pulled the team down from a four day work week to a three day work week. And we were working, um, at a 75% of normal. And we found that people were calling out less, you know, they were willing to jump in and help out if, you know, somebody did have to call out and the team was just happy, you know, I mean, they've always been happy, they were happier, you know, isn't it
1: fascinating what people will do when they know they're appreciated.
2: Yeah. And so what we did was a model where, I did a massive spreadsheet and and showed the partners, okay, if we jump everybody's pay up so that they're making what they were making in 40 hours, we took it in two phases. The first phase was 35 hours. So they're making the same amount in 40 hours as they were in 35. And then another jump phase two to go to 30. Then what we did was launched it in October of last year. And we started, we surveyed the whole team go, who wants to go at 30, who wants to go to 35, and who wants to stay at 40? Because if you stay at 40, you'll still get the 2 to $3 an hour jump. So you're just earning more money. And right. some of those teammates were motivated to do that because they would just want to make more money and not have to do anything different, not have to take on a second job. So um, it was about a third split equally, and there was no pattern to age- kids i could not find a pattern you know when i looked at who wanted what it was very individualized and so we went down to 35 hours for those that wanted it some individuals got to go to 30 but they didn't you know necessarily get another pay bump in that realm it was really hard financially to get you know to go past this 35 and we just finally nailed that in uh, about a couple months ago and so our whole team has moved um for the ones that wanted to 35 and the ones that you know everybody got a paid jump so everybody was happy about that and we we're balancing that with how much you know how, how much is coming in on the revenue side um and keeping the customers happy because we don't want to just throw that on the customers and have the, the pay rates go up. right you know that's not fair either To them. right and it managed it really did work we were able to hire people you know we were we had to fill about 16 positions and we filled them within a couple of months and um we still are very well staffed in our hospital compared to other hospitals out there to give you an example most hospitals strive for a 5 support staff to 1 doctor ratio mm-hmm. in reality out there it's about 2 to 3 support staff to 1 doctor at ohana we have about 6 support staff to wow. 1 doctor that's, that's so good
0: yeah. you know what's so wonderful about it's this a- is that you have taken you know the american model of of the work ethic and, you know, we're all Americans are like, how many millions of hours can I work and all that stuff. But the exhaustion level and the sleep deprivation is creating, you know, their level of making mistakes when you're sleep deprived or mm-hmm. you are so speaking our language, you know, Melissa and I talk about this on the, on the podcast all the time, because my belief is that lifestyle choices that you make improve your mental your mental health your physical mental emotional spiritual health as jill had said it's so important that you know you have to look at the individual and then creating a work a work space environment community culture that says hey you can be paid just as much and you'll probably be far more effective in less time. And we don't think, you know, Americans don't think that way. We're not programmed that way. We're, you know, we're designed to do too right. much. And then, but the productivity and the and the way we do things is kind of, it lessens the value, you know? Cause I think you see it more in, in Europe and Scandinavia, that they just value people, human, human time more. And I think that we need to change our culture to what you're doing—it's—it's it's just so amazing. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm just thrilled. Well,
1: I'll double that, double that on top of the fact that that Jan and Jill are Japanese and my husband is Japanese, so I can speak. I can speak honestly here. This that that the, that natural that original culture is very work driven, also. So the fact that the, the two ladies are from Hawaii and they've got kind—they—they've of they've been blessed with this kind of a. Ohana Aloha mahalo, Spirit. And so they have this approach like let's let's address this. Let's let's approach this differently. And I want to I want to make sure before we're we're gone that we have up for our listeners, you also provide business consulting. Letting us yeah, that. amazing work on this. So they're, they're, these their their business consulting is worth looking into, their business practice is amazing, but I also want you both to touch on the nonprofit and because i'm so excited by what you're doing there
2: yeah so and and you know the reason why jell and i are focused on the business consulting aspect is a lot of burnout comes because of poor management leadership also in the workplace, right and so we're trying to combat that differently by training managers which is what our passion is too um to to show them how to manage compassionately you Mm -hmm. know not just cut people off at the knees you know, listen to them, see why they're not performing or not, why they're not showing up to work um, the way you expect them to. And a lot of it, like Joe said, is communication training. And so that's what we focus on. So where this is all headed is, um, you know, our industry is being swallowed up by corporate America. And when they do that, because the pool of labor is so small, everyone is dangling serious cash in front of doctors and vet tech staff to try to get them to on their teams but the way they make that money back is by literally driving them to the ground you know they have high volume targets and revenue targets and and that's not great and so it's not a right. sustainable model right for our industry it just causes more people to hate their jobs and leave the industry which is mm-hmm. not good so what we are trying to launch with uh, melissa is lokahi foundation which is a nonprofit. lokahi means collaboration and unity in hawaiian And this is going to be a full-fledged community effort between um, the college that we work with is Ventura College, where we put in a two-year associate's degree veterinary technology program that's designed to help um, create more registered veterinary technicians. And Joe built the whole curriculum with the college faculty um, and got it accredited a few weeks ago, which is amazing. with our local business owners and other veterinary colleagues to create a training and a wellness campus so that we can teach all of the lessons that we've learned through ohana to our other colleagues so that we can turn this ship around you know and and get ahead of the whole burnout piece and try to just make chip away at it and make strides to create a more healthier um, environment workplace environment not just for veterinarians but also it could be applied to yeah. dentistry, you know. It could be applied. One hundred percent.
1: Well, one of the things that you'd shared at the meeting the other day was that um, vet, the, the practice of veterinarianism is under agriculture, which I yeah. don't know why I didn't even think. Of course, you know, I, I grew up on a farm. I know that the horses and the land. I get and the how. Yeah, right. For some reason, I didn't think about it. And so, in your logo, do you guys have a copy of your logo with you, by any chance? You can show our audience, or we can put it up on the end if you if you let us have it. Their logo is so smart. It's this triangle, which is the in feng shui is the balance is the symbol of balance, and it's yeah. this triangle of the different aspects of what matters to the to the nonprofit. And it's the animals, it's it's a uh, humankind, humankind. Where and then it's it's the agriculture. So the logo is it's it's really pretty, and it, they've done very beautifully. But it's this these three aspects of it with the paw print with its heart you get the human hands with the heart and then you've got this plant coming from the heart. It's all about our land, our people, and our animals. And it's so beautifully done that there's, it's, I think what we, what I love most about what you're both doing is that it's a knock on the noggin mm-hmm. to remember that this journey on our planet, whatever field of work we've elected to fall into is, is precarious at best. And so what we're doing Matters on a day-to-day basis, and you two have have really put your fingers on the pulse of what's taking place, whether by a natural understanding and observation or by emergency of being forced to see it. You've taken your you've taken your knowledge of this and decided to be progressive. And everybody that Meryl and I um, have had the good fortune of, of speaking with or having having on the show have had that exact same thread. That's the recurring motif of everyone we've had on. Every, the leaders of the industry have said, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. I love what I'm doing, but I'm noticing that this part is a dark cloud that threatens to damage the industry I love. And I know it can be better. And you guys are trailblazers, not only because you're women in the field that was predominantly men for so long, but you're trailblazers because you're, you're stepping back and saying it's not just about the bottom line. It's not just about grinding you into the ground and replacing you with the next guy. It's really about honoring the spirit of the individual so that he or she can honor those around them. Um, I, you said something earlier about not that many people coming into the field, and it reminded me that Marilyn and I learned, I don't know, gosh, I think we were in Florida, Marilyn, a, a place where you were speaking one time, and they were telling us that nobody's entering into the field yes. of social work. The, mm-hmm. the people that are going in to do social work are dwindling down so much that they're having a hard time finding therapists so that when we have right. people on the, at the what they believe to be the end of their rope, looking for help to find, to help them in therapy, they're, yeah. they're few and far between. And so it's when, when you, when we step back and realize that people are not going into our industries that demand big hearts and yeah. practice does. you you demand you you must have heart and compassion you cannot be robotic Mm -hmm. so it these industries that demand the big heart we're failing them if we don't stop and breathe life back into that heart and see them and you you two have consistently been this way this isn't just new rhetoric because it's on the it's on the the lips of the latest headlines you guys have lived this life and been this way for a long time i want to make sure that we get all of your information I'm um, at the end so that our listeners can tune into what you're doing and support. Absolutely. You. Um, you really, it's really, worth, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth really, talking.
0: and, and we, it, you know, you provide that for us and, and we'll put that on our link and, you know, and, and everything, because what you're doing is so important and we're so grateful to you. I'm so, I'm thrilled that you're, it, you're just approaching it in, in, in a way that, Every industry should, you know, whether it's veterinarian or social work or whatever. It just, you know, I honor you. And what does Ohana mean again? Tell me again. What? Family. Family.
2: Family. Ohana. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: listen did you not watch I the stitch okay this is I'm the sorry. thing man my kids are a little bit older <laughs> whatever my kids are as <laughs> old as they are these girls anyway so you guys are amazing oh that's the kind of we've come we've, we've come to the end of this show I'd love to speak to you again I'd love to keep keep you know keep in touch with what you're doing with the foundation and um thank you thank you for your courage to you know break new ground um, and, 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 and create an environment probably against a lot of odds and, and, and make it successful. And, and we want to help support that. And, and thank you again for coming on Outcomes of Sun podcast. We'd love to speak to you again. Everybody who's listening, we will provide links so that you can, you know, you can watch them and also maybe donate to their foundation and also donate to ours. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> no i'm not i'm just kidding no, I, not. I wasn't getting no it. you're not I mean, I'm, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, it is it really yeah
1: the the ladies have a lot to offer they've got a several different they've got their fingers in several different subjects and projects and they're worth following so yeah we'll put the links up down thank, so
0: thank you so much ladies i mean really it's it's an yeah. honor to talk to you and thank you melissa once again cool cool info yeah well, thank you, you. <laughs> yeah. thank you everybody Thank you so much for joining us today on Outcomes the Sun. Uh, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, on Apple, and on YouTube. And you can donate to the Mariel Hemingway Foundation at themarielhemingwayfoundation.org. And I want to spell Hemingway for you, H-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y.org. I only say that because a lot of people put two M's and that just won't work. Um, also on, if you're watching on YouTube, you can go to the donate button at the bottom and it will take you right to a link with the QR code. And uh, if you go to marielhemingway.org, you can also press the donate button and be able to donate to the foundation, which is designed to help guide people towards finding the right solutions for their mental health issues. Um, That is my goal. I'm just trying to raise money so I can come up with an app and a website that has all the information you could possibly want to know about mental health and where to go but we are in the process of making that happen and your donation means so much to us. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.